Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Welcome back, JC. <laughs> they, they miss you. You've been in and out so much lately. Busy, man. Busy. Life, 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 life. Yeah. Well, we're happy to have you back with us today. Look at Isender says, JC's here. Yay! <laughs> so, thank you for joining us today. You don't thank even you. want to wave, like, get accused of Illuminati symbols. Oh, man. I get accused of all kinds of I things, even, I don't right? Even know. Like, what do you do with your hands without getting accused of being Illuminati? Uh, oh, well, no, I touched my eyeballs. I mean, you sit sit on them. You don't see them. If you don't see my hands, then there's not a um, chance for me to use them. But I I don't know. I must have Italian somewhere in my my history because I'm just oh I have to talk with my hands or I can't think. Seriously, I've tried to sit on my hands and when I sit on my hands, I can't think anymore. So you know, which is funny because we had a conversation the other day with a couple from the Ukraine. And she can, she actually, I, I laughed, I don't know if you picked up on it, she accused her husband of having Italian in his background because he talked with his hands. So there must be some kind of universal understanding that Italians are very expressive with their hands. <laughs> you can use four-letter words now that I'm here? Is that is that the house rules? Uh, no, no, that is not the house rules. <laughs> Somebody said, JC's here, you can use four-letter words? <laughs> Man, I forgot my tea. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. So um, today's show, welcome everybody who doesn't want to talk about impeachment. Yay. So, hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's nothing going on. Come on, people. Seriously. <laughs> What's that? You're, you're appropriating Italian culture when you... Oh, you know, I just triggered somebody. You're not allowed. <laughs> How do you know I'm appropriating? Maybe I am Italian. Maybe maybe I self-identify as an Italian. Are you are you discriminating? Are you judging me? Don't <laughs> judge me, okay? If you judge me, I'm gonna have to put you in a scent-free room so that you don't freak out. Right. Go yeah? one, go one, ice. Go yeah, one. yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, uh, JC. Let me give you a an option here. Uh, of things to talk about because there's two things that I want to talk about today. I like all right, options. all options. All right, since you're here, I don't have to make all the decisions, and I, there's not all that pressure on me. And so here's my question for you: Do you want to talk about socialism in America, or do you want to talk about gun control? First, we're doing both of them today, but I want to know which one you want. But to talk you about. repeat yourself. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But well, so one, pick is, one one is more specific. All right. Economic socialism in America or Let's go with gun that. socialism in America? Let's go with that. start off with the yeah. economic? Okay. So, um, everybody, if you've been listening to us for a while, you remember Chris Ann Hall's list, right? Look at it now. It's like, yeah. this, is, this is Chris Ann Hall's list. I made this list before the beginning of January because, remember, JC made me take like a week and a half <laughs> off the show. Oh, come on now, Mike. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> That's funny. I 
love the guy. I love the guys. Listen, guys. Okay, so that's not like a manly thing. That's a you can't you can't say thing. Guys, you can't say that in San Diego. No, that's illegal. I know, I know. I love the people. I bet people is probably not allowed to say in San Diego too, because I am I'm you know discriminating against those who don't identify as people. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So anyway, I love the people in our chat room these days. They're absolutely amazing. They they make me laugh, and you guys are awesome, and you guys give me so much support. I can't tell you how I, I we we had a little offside shoot yesterday about the the uh, super chats, and they have this thing uh, on here um, that's a super sticker, right? Mm. And so when they super chat and the super sticker actually is some animated thing when they send it to us, right? And I just love those things. Maybe it's, you know, like an animal in a cage. It goes, woohoo, I got a reward. I got a reward. <laughs> it's my Pavlovian moment, right? Oh, I got a reward. So anyway, you know my list. And so I have been wanting to talk about this on my list for some time now. I came in uh, across an article written by the Brookings Institute. JC, are you familiar with the Brookings Institute? I am. You are. Well, I actually looked them up. Mm -hmm. Did you know the Brookings Brookings Institute was uh, funded by the Rockefeller Foundation? I did. Oh, cool. Since you know that, you can then provide the background for the Brookings Institute. Just give them a little snippet about who the Brookings Institute is, what is their agenda, because the, they're a think tank. Right. They, did you, Oh, the other thing that I learned, I did not know this. Do you know that there's like a whole neighborhood in D.C. that they call the, the think tank neighbor, like block or something like that? Yeah. So it's like K Street for lobbyists, only for, for think tanks, mm -hmm. where all the think tanks come together. What do you think it feels like when you walk down a street full of think tanks? Uh, like you're surrounded by nerds? Uh, no, I think like like some kind of intellectual black hole. As you walk by, your intelligence <laughs> is sucked from your brain. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't know. So tell them about the Brookings Institute. Do you want to see this at all? or? Uh, well, it's not like I could rattle off their history, but yeah, I, okay. I know they're... You know, they take... Not to put you on the spot or anything. No, that's fine. They they take... Um, they take on... They, they, they project a persona of being sort of uh, middle of the road. Like, mm -hmm. you know, we're not we're not liberal or conservative or whatever. Nope. Um, <laughs> well, that's funny considering the material they put out. Yeah, yeah. But, but you know, they're referred to like that in, in, uh -huh. in the media and in, in politician, in politics. So... You know, it's supposed to be centrist. I don't find them particularly centrist. Uh -huh. They seem uh, statist. Uh -huh. I, the first, the first problem is, um, I think, the the problem with terms, like mm -hmm. you talked about many times. So the left, right, conservative, centrist, liberal, mm -hmm. uh, whatever. And so I, that's how I think people miss the mark on them. So that's they get described as. Conservative sometime, liberal mm -hmm. sometime, centrist mm -hmm. sometime, but the the seems to me the thread that runs through it, there's always this statist um, sort of position. So even if it's a conservative solution uh, for them, it's never the solution is never decentralization, right? Uh -huh. The solution always flows from government. What mm -hmm. government should do, what laws should mm -hmm. be enacted. Um, you know, all that, which a lot like Cato and, and Heritage, uh, 
you know, a lot of these guys. So that's 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 the problem with a lot of these think tanks because the whole purpose. I mean, first off, they're in Washington D.C. and it's like they envision their job as telling or coming up with ideas uh, about what government should do. Uh-huh. Right? None of them approach it from why should government do anything. Right? right? What they right, should right. do is stop doing. Right. <laughs> Get out of the way. So that's kind of the core. That's um, in a nutshell, as far as where they're coming from, right? Uh, you know, I when I see this stuff. But they're they're widely widely quoted and referenced. Well, I wondered. You you said it. It they're in Washington D.C. The environment has an effect on them, because you know mm-hmm. the Heritage Foundation started as an establishment kind of organization, but the Cato. Institute didn't, but they've become more and more like that. The yeah. Cato Institute now has an overwhelming bent to federal supremacy and especially judicial supremacy. I mean, yeah. those of you uh, maybe remember that many years ago, I actually debated the the president of the Cato Foundation who declared in the room that that the federal government is superior to the states and the states don't have sovereignty to tell the federal government no. Yeah, and it it um, falls into that category again that our friend Pat Woods talks about of technocracy, mm-hmm. right. which, which um, Mr. Kramer just referred to there. Yeah, uh, unelected academic elites. So right. it's these guys, they they are. Uh, you remember Rush Limbaugh using that that phrase, the wizards of wizards of smarts, right? Oh, so okay. They, they, That's who he was talking about. Well, just the, the general idea: these people who think they're smarter than everybody else, mm-hmm. and they have the answers, and and then really the government and these politicians by default mm-hmm. uh, follow these folks and implement mm-hmm. uh, the ideas that they come up with. But again, just like you say, you get in that, you're inside the beltway and you just, it starts affecting how, even if you go there I have with, a theory with the view, actually. I think that the, the bubble, the beltway bubble mm-hmm. has some kind of problem with oxygen assimilation. I believe <laughs> that there's some kind of Delirium that They're comes many from strokes. there's a delirium that comes from oxygen deprivation, yeah. and I believe that inside Washington D.C. they're oxygen deprived no, because it, they don't think right. I don't. Well, I just don't get that. Well, in you all, send people up there who seem to be logically thinking, you know, kind of people, and they spend any amount of time up there. All of a sudden, their brains are sucked no, out it, their ear. In something. all seriousness, it's I think just. Uh, What's the old adage that power corrupts and absolute mm-hmm. power corrupts yeah. absolutely? So, I, it was it was fascinating to me, and I don't want to I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to say too much that doors get slammed shut. That you know that would be helpful, yeah, but I'm really already good at that. So but you don't I don't need help with that anymore. <laughs> no, but I found it interesting the other day. You were talking when uh, when the people from Fox contacted you mm-hmm. and wanted you to do the interview. And then as we kind of, you talk more with them, one of the things that was funny, because they were trying to arrange getting up there and that sort of thing. And then one of the things they said is, well, you know, we don't, we don't normally um, fly people provide up. Provide travel. Get, provide travel, get people here, unless they live in D.C. Yeah. Or New York City. Or New York. <laughs> right? So it right. gives you a little insight of all the people appearing on these programs. Yeah, sort of never made that that fundamental connection yeah, there, but you're absolutely er, right. Everything, and so, and that's a general media. It's D.C., L.A., 
and New York, Wash, Wash, Washington, D.C., L.A., and New York. Mm -hmm. And so, come on, admittedly, that is a skewed, skew, a very skewed view and perspective. In, right. in no way, in right. no way, shape, or form does the culture of New York, D.C., and Los Angeles right. reflect the rest no of the way. country. No way. But that's the pool they're drawing from. I'm exactly. glad that you pointed that out because I totally didn't make that connection. Unless you live in D.C. or New York, you know, for this You're Fox not likely going to be the one that you're not, appears. Yeah, we're not going to mm -hmm. transport you. I even volunteered to simply pay my way. Yeah. And they were like, no, no, we just want people from D.C. and New York. Right. I was like, what the heck, you know? So anyway, all right. So remember, we're going to talk about... Uh, gun control in socialist America. We're also going to talk about, now we're going to get into this economic socialism in America. And I ran across this article, uh, actually, in November of last year. This is the first time I've actually had a chance to talk about it. Written by Hank Aaron. Written by Henry Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, the Bruce and Virginia McClary Chair, Senior Fellow of Economic Studies. I didn't look that up. That's a very interesting little Who title cares? there. But anyway, the article, let me, I'll just pop it up here on the web for you. Uh, to reduce inequality, tax inheritances. Mm. Now, those of you who are Liberty First University students, those of you who have uh, been longtime followers, know why that would have obviously taken my notice. Because remember, I teach a, a, a class called the genealogy of the Constitution, which is the history of the Constitution. And in 1100, the first charter of liberty, written and signed into law by a king, declared that inheritance tax was the mark of an evil and oppressive government. And so given the fact that, like you said, I looked up this Brookings Institute and on their website, like you said, they consider themselves a, a neutral, politically neutral kind of organization. Yeah. So JC's like, nah. You just happen to be a Marxist. Yeah, who just happens to be a Marxist. All right. So it begins, if you play by the rules, working to earn a living and saving to provide for the future, taxes take a piece of your earnings. Okay. If you win a state lottery, you owe tax. Okay. But if you get lucky in the lottery of life. Yeah, I wrote this phrase down when I saw it. The lottery of life and land and inheritance, you owe no federal tax. That isn't fair, is it? Extending the federal income tax to include inheritance would end that inequity. So there's a lot to unpack just in yes! that single in paragraph. Yes, in the first paragraph. Right? But the first thing that, and this is not the only problem throughout the article, but the first thing that struck me, re continuing to read the whole article, um, it's 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 irritating, and it really, I, actually, I'd have to say infuriating. But but then when you when I think think when I think that this is a think tank, mm -hmm. and then you look at the a, lack a, of a, thinking. A neutral thing. The lack of thinking mm -hmm. in the article. Just, it's such gobbledygook. It, it's unbelievable. But yet, these people in the Washington bubble think tanks. Who are paid to think, by the way. Can you imagine? You're paid to think. Yeah. Do nothing but think. They believe. And, and, they, and, and then they're going to go against 
uh, the in, uh, you know inequity of pay. If the only thing you're to do you're, you you do in life is pay, you're getting paid to think. Why would you deserve a lot of money for that? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's not fair. Well, because <laughs> and this is the thing, and you see the problem with the thinking in the article. But yet, these guys at the think tanks inside the Beltway, uh, they believe you and I and everybody listening, we're we're dumb. Mm-hmm. We are the dumb ones. We can't. And we don't get it or we disagree with it mm-hmm. um, because we're stupid. Like, listen, and I don't want to jump ahead, but just as an no, example, no, no, that's fine. just as an example, one of his arguments, how, listen, how idiotic this is. So opponents of the estate tax have successfully branded the estate tax as death tax, arising primal instincts against burdening a time of emotional pain, blah, blah, blah. As a result, I totally have that emotion. I don't have that emotional attachment. No, that's fine. Tax, no, no, that's, but I'm just saying, I just like that's a weird. Thing. That's fine, but that's the premise, yeah. right? And then the conclusion. As a result, the estate tax, continu- estate tax continues to poll badly, even though almost none of the poll respondents will face the tax. So listen at the condescension mm-hmm. that's in that. The only reason that people are against the estate tax against this concept, against this idea, mm-hmm. is because of fear-mongering opponents who trick the dumb people with this with this label, death tax. They scared them into being against it. So what he's saying is, these poor <laughs> ignorant people, they're actually unable to reason out. Like there's no thought that, like you went to the poll and oh my God, death tax. I have no idea what that is. I don't know why I'd be against it. But the word death is so scary. My God, no way. Mm-hmm. Right? There's no concept that the people could actually have an understanding about what we're talking about and be against this on principle. And by the way, whether or not they anticipate it, paying it or not, that's another thing in, the, in it. It doesn't even affect you. You're not even the ones that are going to, you might not ever have to pay this. And so mm-hmm. why would you be against it? So that's that's characteristic of, of these idiots right. and we've encountered many many of them in our travels we end up in, you know you end up in these GOP events and Republican dinners and, and, and all these idiots because it's all about these blood-sucking leeches coming around trying to get money from donors and they're so right. freaking arrogant and they think they know everything and they look down on everybody they they talk about it they characterize you, everyone Cass, like this Cass Sunstein is part of this right yeah and no Cass they're Sunstein, total Marxists they're total they, Marxists they, I, they self-identify as the neo-sapiens they literally call themselves the neo-sapiens because they believe that they have a superior intellect to the rest of the world and in in extension to that superior intellect, they believe they deserve, okay? They deserve a position of higher elevation in society that because they are of superior intellect, they deserve to be able to tell the rest of the world to, how to live, which points out their hypocrisy. Because this whole thing is, if no. you win in the lottery of life, right. their whole premise is, we won intellectually in the lottery of life, so we deserve to rule over you. Well, in the context of, of the inheritance, right? So this is saying an inheritance is... You know, first off, luck. You're lucky in the lottery of life. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is one of the core twisted mindsets of unthinking, idiotic Marxist thought process. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it's it's never the idea of um, you know if here's a, they they think that if you're rich right mm-hmm. it's because you're lucky because yes. somebody basically somebody else um, like Cortez said Casio Cortez you know uh, you know you made billions running this factory but you didn't actually you didn't do that you, you had some workers working for you and this I mean totally have no idea how creation production right uh, economies work and this I look in a lottery of life excuse me if I use some biblical language somebody worked their ass off to make this money that's a three-letter word so that doesn't count right hey, it's, no it's in the bible it's, yes. it's just a biblical word i'm yeah, sorry yeah, it's just sorry. a biblical word okay so if you get offended whatever somebody worked their ass off okay mm-hmm. to acquire this wealth and guess what one of the prime motivations for that like at, like at this point in my life and what we do I, I mean, we don't have, we're not billionaires, but when, now, nowadays when I think of investing and I think of working and I think of stuff we do when we have property and building a house, you know what my motivation is? My motivation is that 13 year old boy. Yeah. I do this because I want to give him an inheritance. I'm, we, we work our butts off. Mm-hmm to pass something on to our children. So that's another, this, this Marxist, we were listening to Aldous Huxley's Brave oh, New World today. No, and just that like, same mentality. There, many strokes in my mind yeah. listening to Aldous and, Huxley and, today. and that's that, the Marxist ideology, that, I mean, so many commonalities here that they hate family, yeah. just that idea. Well, let me point out something that may, not, totally may not be completely, well, I would hope that it would be completely obvious. First, I want to take us back to the 1100 Charter of Liberties, just really quick, because I'm that history guy and I mm. like to teach that. So the 1100 Charter of Liberties was a promise by King Henry I uh, as a result of a lineage in his family of tyrannical kings. And so his promise to the people, so they wouldn't chop off his head and that sort of thing, like they did his brother, uh, to um, promise that, that government would in England would never be evil and oppressive again. So there's a list now of rules that Henry is writing and signing into law that says government will never be evil and oppressive again. Right. And are you ready for this? Rule number two is that if any of the barons or earls die, now the barons and the earls are the landowners, they're the rich guys, right? He says their heirs shall not have to purchase their inheritance from the government, but shall receive their inheritance properly through law. In mm-hmm. properly through law is identifying what we call in the legal field the perstipes, the the legal inheritance thing. So right. if you're the child, <coughs> the, the niece, the nephew, the uncle, the brother, the sister, the wife, right? That kind of thing. So not not by law, you have to give it to the king. So we have a king in 1100 who says that if you have to pay, if the heirs of an inheritance have to pay the government before they can receive their inheritance, you are living in an evil and oppressive government. So a king in 1100 with no internet, no Google, no, US, no, no MSNBC, no Fox, no CNN, recognizes that inheritance tax is the mark of an evil and oppressive government mm-hmm. and a think tank full of people in modern America paid to use their brains totally miss that. Not only that, here's the thing that just totally blows my mind, right? What they're saying is it is fair, right? It is fair 
to tax people on what they receive as an inheritance. Mm -hmm. How is it fair to tax something that's already been taxed when the person who bought it received it and paid, especially with land, paid property taxes their whole life. They paid tax in the sale and the transition of this. How is it fair to triple, quadruple, and whatever tax something? To me, that is the epitome of unfair. Yeah, because in most... Because they always use that word fair. I don't think they know... I don't think that word means what they think it means. No, because as you said, in most cases, you know, you've already paid taxes on the... the Taxes have already been paid. Yeah, even if it's just money. It's income. You've paid tax on that income. You've paid tax on all of that. Now, their argument would be if it's strictly income, they, you know, they wormed... And then that's what the Brookings Institute talks about in this. They wormed their way around the taxes. Yeah, and it's a false... It, but it's a false equivalency, like right. like you said. When you if you put in the context of fairness, how how are they defining fairness? I mean, what they're mm-hmm. what they're essentially saying here is because it's an heir, mm-hmm. uh, you didn't earn it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, question: How did the ones who are confiscating it? What did they do to earn it? Mm-hmm. So how how do you make that equivalency by saying you you don't deserve it because you didn't earn it? But right. the but the government deserves to take it because they earned it. How? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So. And the gov- and and the people who don't have it are entitled to get it, even though they didn't earn it either. So if I inherit money, because this is their whole, this is one of the things they actually say that. Um, critics of an inheritance tax might respond that a person who gave you the inheritance already paid tax. But that just isn't so for most bequeathed property, according to data compiled by the Federal Reserve. Like, they're a trustworthy, you know, bunch yeah, of people. Yeah, you just lost yeah. me there, You brother. just lost me. The data compiled. Uh, don't trust. What, <laughs> you want to trust. What data, them. by the way? Yeah, yeah. What data? <laughs> no, notice this kind of data that they're giving out. But the data we need to see? Yeah. Yeah, we oh, can't no, audit no, the Nobody can start. find that data. Yeah, yeah. Like, where where did this $2 trillion go? Uh, uh, mm, uh, nobody knows. I don't know. <laughs> but you do know, we know people that pass on inheritance, they don't pay tax. Just saying. <laughs> no, nobody asked you for that. What we said is, where is our money? Where is our money? Yeah, they said, we know where your money is. It needs to come to us. Yeah, don't, don't tell me what the government <laughs> hasn't taken from me. Tell me about... What you already took from me, and where have you put it? Yeah, 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 right. I mean, right, come right. on. Give me a break. <laughs> Federal Reserve. So, so anyway, he says, um, he says, the data compiled by the Federal Reserve, most inheritance consists of gains on financial asset or on businesses that were never taxed under current law, and under current law will never be. Now, again, that's the premise Okay, the, the underlying premise he is here is that the people receiving the money didn't earn that money, so it's not a bad thing, it's not a wrong thing to tax them. Yet, in their justification, we have to transfer this money, we have to tax this money, to take this money, to give it to people who didn't work for it and didn't earn it, and that's the fair thing to do. Seriously, hey Victor, how did, good to see you. I hope that, uh, you know, I mean, Victor's always sending me stuff that, that writes my mind in these things, and I know I'm right on this, but this is just crazy. It, it's funny, um, Victor said that the, um, 
Oh, I gotta find his his thing again. The Brookings Institute. The Brookings Institute yeah. is the Marxist excuse for creating socialist laws. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. they're totally. I mean, that's what these think tanks do. You know what I mean? And and they're all they're all getting paid and kickbacks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, from from these special interests and stakeholders in government, my brain taking their money, their use of the word fair. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's fair for us to steal money from people because they didn't earn it to give it to people who didn't earn it. It's and it's fascinating to me. I think it's in the second paragraph. Uh, he he talks about it, so he, he he characterizes inheritance and, and get this as nearly unencumbered transfers of wealth permitted under current law. Okay. I don't know what that it, means. A transfer of wealth. What is you taking my money and giving it to somebody <laughs> who didn't work for it, who didn't earn it? Right. Is that not a, how is that not a massive extreme? What did he say? It, nearly unencumbered transfers of wealth. Speaking of unencumbered, what can I do about the fact you, that you're taking you're transferring money, my, my wealth, money. <laughs> okay, unencumbered. If I stand up and I, and, I, and I try to stop it or I try to avoid it, you're either going to reach directly into my bank account and snatch it out, or you're going to come with your armed jackboot thugs and drag me off into a box somewhere. Right. Right. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, the Federal Reserve, which was elected by no one, doesn't actually exist legally in government. It's a private organization, is unencumbered at taking our money. Well, printing, uh, printing, what, printing, what, unencumbered what they, printing, what they call money. Which unencumbered printing our money actually is an unencumbered act of taking our money. Maybe. Hello, I mean, I'm not. I, I am in by no way or means an economic expert, but I'm smart enough to know that when you print more money, you're actually stealing money from me. Right. So. So tax, is, taxes themselves. Right. Is an unencumbered transfer of wealth. Oh, but under JC, current law. Social it's, Security. You elect the representatives that pass the laws, and they pass the laws through your representation. Yeah, those those representatives, <laughs> like um, what's his name, Thornburg or whoever you talk to, that said. Oh no no no, that was uh, Wahlberg. Wahlberg. Tom Tom, yeah. uh, Tom Tim Wahlberg. Tim Th Wahlberg. Those representatives yeah, that say, right. hey, whatever we can get a majority to go along with, and we can do it. We got yeah. the power to do it. Right. Yeah, you got the power right. to do it because we're talking about force. Right. That's that's your power to do it. But the question is not, do you have the power to do it? The question is, are you authorized to do it uh, by that which gives you the power from the people? Right. Right. You may have the power. I mean, if I, I grab, you know, what I need to 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 um, implement my power, you know, I can do some stuff, too. But that doesn't make it authorized. Right. That doesn't right. make it right. That doesn't make it lawful. Just because something is legal doesn't make it lawful. Right. Right. And just because they do it doesn't make it right. Yeah. Right. So it's like. He, so it's an argument so, from force. I mean, it's really crafty, all crafty, right? The crafty politicians. We we demanded that they justify every law by quoting uh, the section in the Constitution that authorizes that law. So they're all okay. Yeah, we can do that. And then they, they the general welfare clause, right? So how many laws are out there because the general welfare clause tells us we can do generally whatever we want? The necessary and proper clause tells us we can do whatever we think is necessary and proper. And so they know how to get around these things, which is another reason. What's interesting is uh, back uh, during our battle for independence from Great Britain, 
the parliament was refusing to allow the American colonists to actually elect representatives to send to parliament because mm -hmm. uh, the British, every bit British citizen was guaranteed the right of legislation through representation. And so our colonists were complaining, hey, look, we don't have representation. And Parliament said, you know, you're too far away, take too long, there's too many dangers, blah, 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 blah. By the way, you don't need to worry about actually electing somebody and sending somebody because we have people already in Parliament, conveniently, who have raised their hand and volunteered to represent your interests. Well, our, our response was, if they're over there making laws to be enforced over here, and they never have to come over here and live under the laws that they create, then they don't represent us. Now, this is an essential principle, that when the people who make the laws and enforce the laws are not subject to those laws, they don't represent us. And isn't that the perfect explanation or the perfect description of the very people we're talking about? Yeah. You can't call someone in Congress a representative if they're not subject to the laws that they make. And they don't feel themselves bound by the documents that created them mm -hmm. and limit their power. And you know... Oh, see, JC, Matt just sent us a... Uh, uh, what, what, let me look at the word again here. A super sticker. <laughs> Thank oh, man, you, that's... Matt. Is that cool? Man. That's JC. I'm saying that's what I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> the, you First feel like a... a hippo that turns into a transformer? Yeah, man. <laughs> that's, that's me. That's me. Yep, yep. All right. So anyway, um, thank you, Matt, for your support. So uh, this is Tom important. Tom Hall is in the chat. Tom Hall. Maybe we're related, Tom Hall. Tom Hall? Is that Tom T. Hall? Tom T. Hall. I don't think you're related to Tom T. Hall. Oh, thank you, Mark, for your support as well. You guys, see, I told you, isn't this great? You feel like, woo, I got, I got a treat. <laughs> All right, so... Um, yeah, it's a fascinating thing, too, by the way. That, that and, and, you know, we've seen this mm -hmm. and been in this conversation that there's, there's no... What is the fascinating you know, no thing? Specific, no specific thing that uh, states you must give your money, give a portion of your money to the government, the tax, yeah. tax thing. And, you know, there, have been, there are uh, people out there who, who have not paid taxes... And then made successful legal arguments um, mm -hmm. and, and won. Now, there are people who've done that and ended up in prison. Right. I, I don't know what makes the difference. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, that's, that's, that's a fact, man. And people have successfully done that. There's a, there, there's a guy, a couple of, actually, I think a couple of people out there that, that teach these things right. uh, in depth. A little out of our wheelhouse to be an expert, you know, in that mm -hmm. area in particular. But there are people out there that teach that. And we have met folks, mm -hmm. uh, met, specifically met, there was someone from the Northeast. I can't remember, but his father was one that like I'm not paying it and didn't pay mm -hmm. uh, and they hounded him and it was a kind of a suit that went on and he won yeah and the guy there hasn't paid taxes the in time, decades there's probably just as many people who end up in prison as yeah. well so, no no question I mean, it's just it, it in my perspective this is my perspective I think from a spiritual realm 
you need to make sure that this is the call in your life that God has put on you. Sure. Because if it's not the call that God has put on your life, you're going to be the guy that goes to prison. Yeah. Or maybe God sends you to prison to do, you know, what he sent to Paul to prison for and that sort of thing. But nonetheless, right. I, I, I want to mention to you that I had a very interesting ex, uh, exposure. Uh, that's probably not the word I want to use. Uh, I was exposed to encounter. a very in, encounter. I had a very interesting encounter. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, with a man named Pete Hendrickson on in Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, you definitely want to say that. You want to say that right. Encounter with Pete Hendrickson. Uh, his his title here on or his little description of himself on Twitter is helping keep the state obedient to the law because everything else is just watering the lawn while the house burns down. I like it. Okay, here's 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 the problem again. He writes he writes. An article. He's got LostHorizons.com, and he writes an article uh, about income tax. Okay, so he's he's irritated at the people who keep talking about the fact that uh, keep talking about the income tax coming in the 1900s through the 16th Amendment, mm-hmm. and he brings people back to the idea that it comes before. It's the things that I wrote about in my article about how it started with Lincoln and it started with taxation, mm-hmm. that income tax only legalized whatever. But here's the thing where he jumps the rail, JC. He starts quoting the Supreme Court mm-hmm. to justify that the 16th Amendment did not bring about income tax. And he starts talking about first, well, he does the Pollock case, but this is the one uh, that really, really disturbs me. It's a 1916 case, Stanton v. Baltic Mining Company, mm-hmm. uh, which says that it was settled that the provisions of the 16th Amendment conferred no new power of taxation, but pr- simply prohibited the previous complete and plenary power of income taxation possessed by Congress from, uh, from the beginning. Okay, the the idea that the that the Constitution bestows upon Congress the plenary power to directly tax the people is fundamentally and completely patently false. Right. But because the Supreme, because the court said so. Because the Supreme Court said so in 1916, that the power already existed, we now have a whole segment of relatively conservative people who believe that income tax is in the, the, the federal authority to tax the individual is in the Constitution. So saith the Supreme Court. That's statism, man. They're statist. And that, that's, again, you know, can I beat this dead horse one more time and make everybody mad? Here's the, the, the Supreme the, Court. Use these decision, terms conservative. Yeah. It's, it's, they're statist. The Supreme Court, in a decision written by Chief Justice White, first noticed that the 16th Amendment did not authorize any new type of tax. Mm-hmm. So how is it that these people, I mean, you liked his his little, you know, self-description. 
How is it that these people who study these things, I mean, he did a lot of research on this. How can you research this and completely ignore everything that the people who wrote the Constitution said about how the federal government never has and never ought to have direct taxation authority on the people? That apportionment was on the state and not on the people. That by directly in entering into the realm of taking money from the people, now we have circumvented the whole constitutional republic st step. How is that? And, and I just want to connect this all together, JC, and help me justify this. How is this not this, what you call the status, but they call themselves conservative ideology, also the very direct path to what the Brookings Institute is writing. Mm -hmm. Is this not how we, we move, some would call it the, the pot, get, you know, the frog in the, in the boiling pot of water, it yeah. gradually increases. These unsuspecting people calling themselves, believing themselves to be conservatives, believing themselves to be fundamental constitutionalists, advocating federal supremacy and laws that do not exist. How are they not the pathway to socialism? Yeah. Well, and, and you know, now with the technology and all that's going on, you know, you have essentially full-time monitoring, electronic mm -hmm. monitoring of, you know, your cash flow. Oh, yeah, if you out. deposit a certain amount of money in the bank, the bank is required to, into, to tell the IRS. Yeah. And here's the crazy thing. <laughs> If you deposit a series of deposits within a period of time that falls below the threshold of reporting, they have to report you because now the IRS will come after you and, and, and accuse you of a crime called structuring your deposits so that they don't report you. It's fascinating. Uh, just the other day, I, I went to get a document you know, that I needed from, from the IRS and I don't. I got back this thing where there was stuff I I didn't give them this information, right? So they already have what's come in where and all this sort of stuff. So like they they it's bizarre to me. So you file an income tax, whatever whatever you put on your return, they already know yeah. what's supposed to be. Yeah. What you're supposed to put down. What they think they're already supposed to put down. Hey, we have to mention, uh, go ahead and try that one. <laughs> uh, Mikachi Ruthberg? Mikachi. Tell us if we said Did that I say right. say that right? Uh, Mikachi Ruthberg says, That's love cool you guys. Name. Yeah, I know it's an awesome name. Uh, Ruthberg, maybe. Yeah. Ruthberg. Probably. Yeah. yeah probably. Love you guys. Thank you for your support. Miss um, Miriam. We know who that is. Yep. Yeah, we know who Appreciate that is. You. Thank you so much. She sent the sticker too. The she's, guy working out. Woohoo! Thank you guys so she's much. Awesome. She Thank is you. Too you guys. Awesome. Are, some of you guys have been like. I mean, I know your names because you've been long time supporters, and we thank you so much for for all that support. All right, ready to transition into the gun thing. Yeah. Are you? Are we? You feel sufficiently done here? No, I, I suppose. No. I mean, you know, it's again, it's it's really irritating. It's a typical. Marxist stuff and it's aggravating because you know it's almost overwhelming because it's everywhere you know right. this this brainwashing to make people think along these lines right it's everywhere somebody say well, you know what 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 do we do mm -hmm. how do we how can we combat this and that 
there's so many things involved because it's a progression to get where we get to get where we are. Yeah. Right. And that's it's, what it's Aldous, a whole system. And so that's I, what Aldous Huxley was talking about yeah. today. He says, you know, this unsuspecting people are, and I, and I say that about those people that we talked about the con, this, the the self-identified conservative constitutionalists. The unsuspecting people are actually paving the way for all of this. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Winthrop, one of our founding mothers, mm-hmm. right? Said Hannah Winthrop, thank you. Said uh, precipitately maddening on to their own destruction. Mm-hmm. They don't even realize it, right? And so, yeah, like, you know, we—that's why we teach what we teach. So, uh, well, it's when one of these the things- light bulbs come on, because I don't—I don't assume that just because you call yourself a conservative, I don't assume just because you've studied the Constitution or you've read the Constitution that these these light bulbs have come up because for yeah. me, even after all I do, these things click all the time. Yep. And why we have to talk about these things out loud so we see them. Well, it's one of the reasons why our son is not in public school and yes. won't, won't go to public school. So, you know, that's one of the things. Get your kids, grandkids, get them out of public school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would say, I would, I, I would say don't send, don't let your children go to public universities. Right. And, and I mean, it's really crazy. So you, you're fighting. You're not just fighting. It's not mm-hmm. just the IRS. It's not just I'm going to stop paying my taxes, right? Because right? it's, it's a whole system that is built around this, that sustains the system and makes it possible and keeps it going. Right. So it's a, it, it's a, a um, how can you say it? it really an all-encompassing strategy right. that you have to employ to fight against it. You know, right. so for our part, we try, you know, part of what we do is educate. Um, we also advocate, like in in uh, lobbying in the sense we find ourselves in uh, legislative houses from time right. to time, state right. houses. I mean, right. lots of different uh, different things. But it's a huge, a huge system. I think that's what we we have to recognize as well. Autumn and, Spring uh, sent us some love too. Did you see the pretty pictures she awesome, sent us? That's awesome. really awesome. Thank you. So, it, you know, and it's funny, again, it, it kind of rang of, of the Huxley's Brave New World when this guy um, talked about inheritance, inheritance leading to, to gross and wasteful consumption. Yeah, so I it's another make that well, kind just, of, well, the idea that you're, yeah. you know, you're enjoying things that he decides Oh, yeah. You don't deserve. Right, 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 right. right. Waste. These people, they're just going around buying a yacht. Okay, so if I want a yacht, I should be able to have a yacht. But what about the people uh, who built the yacht? What are the people who worked to build that yacht? You no. eliminate the yacht jobs because yachts are excessive and, and wasteful. Now and, you got people out of work. You know, and I think it's the same thing. What you said earlier about, okay, here is this jackass. Living in D.C., I mean, we know that we know how D.C. operates with sucking, yeah. sucking yeah. everybody's money yeah, yeah. to that place. You, you mean you? He's you. He is not living in some row house. Yeah. You know, shack. So what about his gross, wasteful consumption? And who decides what that is? If well, I, I think if employing I went, him is a gross, wasteful consumption. Yeah. Because we're employing right. somebody to think and write garbage. I seriously. But I you know what? What right? What? Right, do, would I have to go to Mr. Aaron's house, look in his garage, uh-huh. and and tell him you don't deserve 
you know, this level right. of a vehicle. Mm -hmm. I can take you to east, the east side of D.C., and I show you somebody doesn't have mm -hmm. that. Why is that fair? Right. You know, put your money where your mouth is. Right. If I go into his well, closet, what's the, what's the most expensive suit right. that he has in his closet? You know, so mm -hmm. it, that's another thing about these, these arguments. People. They're hypocrites. Yeah, because Absolute socialist is, uh, is, not a is not an equality of wealth. It's a redistribution of wealth from the mass to the elite. Oh, man. See, and that's great. That's another thing I, on the Huxley kick, just because we listened. Another thing, um, go find the interview. Uh -huh. That Mike Wallace yeah. does. <laughs> Nineteen fifty-eight. Mike all, with, Wallace yes. interviews Aldous Huxley. I'm giving you that so you can find it. And what you just said is key that Huxley brings out. Like I would, you know, mm -hmm. again as he's saying his things, he sort of targets um, threats, mm -hmm. and to me it was they were kind of, you know, I would describe them broader than how mm -hmm. he did, like how who's using it, who's behind it. So he, it was kind of naive in mm -hmm. one sense, how prophetic he was, but then in the other sense, how naive of recognizing there's a conspiracy going on here. Right. But it, um, Mike Wallace literally, is at the end of the interview, is essentially making the case for the Soviet Union. He's like bragging on how well, mm -hmm. basically, why would you why would you need liberty? Why why do you need freedom? Why be so concerned at freedom? Look at Soviet Union and how good they're doing what they do and they're not free. So why would you need that? There and he's and you know he talks about the scientists making these advances and the artists and this and that. And and what you just said, Huxley makes the point. And Huxley's look at Wallace is great. He looks at him like, Are you freaking insane? Who is this? Are you idiot? making this right? argument because you're an idiot? <laughs> but this is the deal about um, Marxist ideology and the practical functioning of mm -hmm. Marxism is exactly what you describe and what Huxley talks about. He says, well, yeah, absolutely. In the system, you're going to have an elite oligarchy. They're, they're pretty well free and they enjoy a high standard of living. But then all the drones down here, the slave class, which is, you know, if you're not in the Politburo, that's you. You know what I mean? That's what's always missed. So yeah. you see a guy like this knucklehead from the Brookings Institute. He's living up in his glass house in his crystal cathedral and then and, and then talking about how unfair it is that everybody has stuff. But guess what? He doesn't want to give up any of his stuff. You start thinning out his closet. You start going into his garage. You start changing his address. And it's a different story. But all of these useful idiots like Mr. Aaron at the Brookings Institute, they always operate on the assumption. And here's the rub. They always operate on the assumption that they are going to be in the Politburo class and have the dacha on the Black Sea. Well, it's a rude awakening when the ones really at the top start cleaning house and chopping off heads yeah. and you actually don't end up living the life that you thought you deserve. Yeah, Stalin. Yeah. He wiped out people by the masses that thought that they were in the inn with them. Yep. This ties right into the well I covered yesterday with the CNN article. Oh, uh, look at what China can do to protect its people from disease. Yeah. Right? Yeah. How, how fortunate it is for the Chinese that they have a socialist government. If you didn't get to see the show from yesterday, you need to go uh, to the website or to the, the um, 
to the YouTube channel and, and see yesterday's show. And think about that. The same, the, same. So how lucky the Chinese are. And think about that. 1958, there's Mike Wallace on these same kind of news networks mm -hmm. making the same argument. Yeah. Douglas Richard Mumi, thank you so much for the support. Thank you so much. All right, JC, are you ready to move on? Do it. All right, so we're running, a, we're going to have a long show today, a little bit longer. I'm going to have to text Frank and apologize for hey, cutting into his show, do. but whatever. Here we go. Uh, here's the thing that really ticked me off I wanted to talk about today. The Florida Senate panel backs gun control measure. All right? Why is that significant? Because the Florida Senate is primarily Republican. Almost totally. Almost it's, it's, it's Republican totally Republican control. Totally. And what you have is not just simply a party line thing. This is SB7, I want to show you this, JC, SB7028. It is titled, are you ready for this? Uh, the, the committee on, oh no, is it, oh, what is this? Wait, An uh, act uh, relating to, to security. Okay, public safety. Mm -hmm. It's the public safety law, right? Yeah. So, uh, unanimously, seven yays, no nays on this bill mm -hmm. that even Miriam Hammer hates, okay, uh, which is our leader, our state rep for the NRA, who's usually in favor of gun control mm -hmm. issues, or at least not entirely in favor of, of, of liberty gun perspectives, right? So I want to show everybody what the GOP platform says. Look at this trick I figured out, JC. Now we can get the whole thing on there. All right. This is the this is the 2019 GOP platform. We uphold the right of individuals to keep and bear arms, a natural inalienable right that predates the Constitution and is secured by the Second Amendment. Lawful gun ownership enables Americans to exercise their God-given right of self-defense for their safety of their homes, their loved ones, and their communities, right? We salute the Republican Congress for defending the right to keep and bear arms by preventing the president from installing new liber liberal majority on the Supreme Court. Now, let me, uh, the confirmation to the court of additional anti-gun justices would eviscerate the Second Amendment's fundamental protections. Why do we have to worry about the Supreme Court eviscerating when the Republicans in, in the state houses are eviscerating, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to skip down. Let's see what it says. We oppose ill-conceived laws that would restrict magazine capacity or ban the sale of most popular and common modern rifle. We also oppose any effort to deprive individuals of their right to keep and bear arms without due process. Mm -hmm. And now what we have... Support constitutional carry statutes. Yes. Oh, sorry. Forgot to put, uh -huh. put that up there. No, it's fine. All right. So we support... They actually say we support constitutional carry statutes. So here we have this bill. Proposal set SB 728, where everyone within the majority of the Senate... And it is committee. actually... This, this committee. It's a committee. Within the Senate committee is only seven, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but actually come out and support this. It is a priority of Senate President Bill Galvano, who is a Republican yeah. from Bradenton. He's a joke. So here we have, I, I want to read to you some of these quotes so, so that you can actually hear them, all right? Here's, here's these quotes. 
the sweeping this is the sweeping legislation would require background checks and a three-day waiting period for firearms sold on property which the public has the right to access, such as flea markets, gun shows, and firearms. It's, it's the gun the gun show loophole. Yeah, but it extends bill. outside of the gun shows. No, actually. that's what they that's that's what they try to that, say. They throw out so when they they use that close the gun show loophole. It's all this other thing too. That's I mean that's so that's what it's talking about. Not only that, you will be criminally prosecuted if the government doesn't feel like you securely stored someone a gun in your house to keep that gun from some anyone under the age of 21. Mm-hmm. Right? So an adult in your house under the age of 21 cannot have access to your firearms. Yeah. And well, it's, it's not just about having access. You, it, it mandates securing them. I'm right, saying so, you're securing yeah. them, which that's not going to happen in my house. No, it's not. So uh, uh, here's what here's what Marion Hammer says. The measure contains quote the worst universal background check language ev- I have ever seen. Mm-hmm. S- seen. She says it appears to be an actual attempt to ban private sales through red tape and fear. Asking every citizen, this is the key, because I actually have the bill up here. I read the entire bill, and she's absolutely right. Asking average citizens to create what amounts to a government form and get it notarized Mm -hmm. in order to complete the sale. She says this legislation is nothing less than gun control on steroids. Now, let me show you what... What this is totally Marxist now, right? Totally Marxist. Uh, uh, here's what um, what Lee, right, uh, former Senate president, he said, I know that you don't see our NRA NRA members in the headlines of these mass shootings. He says, uh, but we listen to this. This is just this makes my blood pressure explode. But we have a job to do. And we can't just sit idly by while our children are killing children and pretend this isn't happening. Mm-hmm. We've got to save the babies, JC. Right. Well, and if you if you are against this, you're in favor of killing babies. Think about the one part. It basically creates uh, a I don't know I don't know how to say this pre, kind of preemptive crime right based on the location mm-hmm. of your firearms so right. a firearm in my house it's not locked up and then that's a crime just just where the gun is and before any harm is done i mean no no crime has been committed right nobody's been harmed whatever just because where that farm is located now that's a crime right yeah. you committed a crime now someone would say i will you know Children in the house. I mean, wouldn't you want to, you know, have your guns locked up that there are children in the house? No, the child in my house is trained. The yes. child in my house can handle a firearm better than most adults. Oh my goodness! He the, the, went the, to the, the fire- range with some some adult friends of ours. He he outshot everybody at the range. The child, the thirteen year old in my house, guns are not toys. Okay, mm-hmm. so I don't know. I don't have right. So this is the way I see it. You can lock your weapons up mm-hmm. or train your children. Okay, mm-hmm. Th- this is about parenting. I I was 
I just dealt with this the other day in the in the college class. So you look at a lot of the psychological studies, and they mm-hmm. study all this guns, guns violence, and and whatever. Um, one of the studies, so they study the, the you know kids, and it's in a doctor's office, mm-hmm. and they put a firearm in a drawer in a cabinet, whatever, in a drawer in the doctor's office. And then they observe the kids, whether they find it, and then what they do with it, right? Mm-hmm. How long they play with it, and then whether they pull the trigger, right. okay? So, you know, then, then here's their statistics about uh, what they would do. And it's in the context of having been exposed to violent media, okay? okay? So like video games or violent shows or whatever. And I'm, I'm reading this thing, like, okay, yeah, that's fine. But guess what? That, that population that you're studying, those children, is not a population. Like, it includes no trained children mm-hmm. in that population. Right. So, to me, the results are skewed, can't be generalized to the population you draw from. Like, if I, so if I put my, if my 13-year-old was in there, he could he could play violent video games and watch violent movies for a month, eight hours a day. And he's not going to grab that gun and play with it like it's a toy and start pulling the trigger. Right. It's just not going to happen. And it has nothing to do with being exposed to violent media or not. It has to do with consistent parenting and training. Right. Period. Right. So so now I'm in a position you're telling me what I have to do with my weapons as a parent and, and, as a parent and the fact, you know, my child's trained and that ain't going to happen. It, I can't ha- I can't make that argument. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not even an option. Right. So these guys, you don't even know what you're talking about mm-hmm. and making these generalities like like. So then why wouldn't you if you're all about passing a law? So then why not pass a law that mandates training the children when they're young, from the time they're young, on the firearm, what the firearm is, what the firearm can do, how you handle it, how you treat it, the, right. the, the safety rules in handling a firearm. I mean, a firearm. We've drilled this into our son since he was five years old. Younger than that. You're Younger not gonna, than that. He's not going to... Like one of the things, you know, your firearm is pointed at what you intend to shoot. You don't put your finger on that trigger until you intend to shoot. And mm-hmm. and you shoot what you intend, right? What you intend to hit. You right. point at what you intend to hit. I mean, I'll so let's pick up the gun and start pulling Henry trigger. What Richard Henry Lee said is essential to the preservation of liberty that the whole body of the people uh, bear arms, uh, are, are trained to bear arms, especially when young, right? So we're supposed to be training our children, especially when young, how to use them. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole principle behind this. You don't have a well, you don't have a secure state if the people are not trained. And you don't start training someone when they're an adult because, you know, that's useless. At, at some, you're, you're behind the curve. Yeah. I want to talk about this because... Like what would you, what would you, just, just, just to kind of bring it home, if you, you stick me, me in a race car mm-hmm. at the Daytona 500, right? And mm-hmm. turn me loose. Like, all right, JC, do it. What what would you reasonably anticipate the outcome 
of that being with, you know, I don't know how many, I don't know how it works, but how many, you know, let's, let's just say there's 24 other drivers on there yeah. and JC <laughs> and just go, right? Do you think that's going to be different than, and I'm uh, clearly accidents happen, Dale Earnhardt, we understand that. But, but do you think, you know, what's the guy, Tony, whatever his name is. Stewart? Uh, uh, Did I get that right? Uh, no, the other, <laughs> the other guy. But, I'm not a NASCAR so, person. So. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. the point is, NASCAR driver or JC, I've not been trained to handle mm -hmm. that machine. Mm -hmm. It's going to be different. Yeah. And what makes the difference? What makes a difference? Training. I want to talk to you about this because I want people to be aware. I understand this is Florida law, but remember, Florida was the resurgence of the red flag laws. Yeah. We're the ones that kicked it into high gear. And if it comes out of Florida and it's a gun law, it's going to be repeated. Yeah. Why, JC? Let's be clear. Because, it's a bill. Right. It's a bill, too. It's not a law. And you need to get behind. Uh, you need to get opposed to this stuff and start encouraging people to shut this down. So here's the thing. It gives you they that oh this is just for this is what did you call this the the gun show loophole yeah right right here in 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 uh, section seven nine zero point six oh five it uh, why did it do that it, it tell it, it amends this section to say. A person who is a not a licensed importer, a licensed manufacturer, or a licensed dealer, or who chooses not to use a licensed importer, a licensed manufacturer, or a licensed dealer to facilitate a private sale may sell his or her firearm to another person if all of the following requirements are met. Tell me in that paragraph where it says gun show. Right. And that's my point. Well, tell me in that paragraph <laughs> where it's excluded to people who sell at gun shows. <clears throat> right. It's not exclusive to people who sell at gun nope. shows. It is every single person. And that's what they don't. That's what they don't say and don't want you to know. So they. That's what. Yep. That was my point. They use that term gun show. Gun show loophole. But it includes all this other stuff. Right. It's not. It's not just gun show. So the seller. Because they want one, people to say, I don't go to gun shows. I don't get gun gun shows. That ain't got nothing to do with me. Until something happens and they come after you. And that's what Miriam Hammer says. It's about making you afraid. There is no way I could comply with all of this. So there's no way I'm going to run risk, right? So here's the thing. Number one, you have to confirm by examining the purchaser's valid government-issued photo identification that the purchaser is 21 years of age or older and is therefore of lawful age to purchase the firearm. The seller makes and preserves the dated record of sale for each firearm, which includes the information about the gun, make, model, serial number. So now in, you have to have a serial number mm -hmm. on your gun, right? Well, they all do, but you have to record that. Not all gun sales in Florida require the recording of a serial number, but by the passage of this, it will, right? Uh, let's see. You have to have the date of the sale, the purchaser's name, date of birth, identification, a copy of an affidavit for the private sale of firearms signed by the purchaser and a notary public. So if you're going to sell a gun, you not only have to create this form, which is an official government form, they give it in the statute here, but you have to create it, right? And you have to have a notary public present in order to do this gun sale. Can you imagine standing, where are you gonna find a notary public? going to go someplace and have a notary public with your gun, right? 
And this law says that if you sell this to someone who has, uh, where is this, uh, a, a diminished mental capacity, mm-hmm. right? So now not only do you have to create this form, but you are legally liable if this person... You have to have their medical... You, you have, have to have the proof their, of you, their medical history. Well, that's just for the people who are like medical professionals, right? Because they're non-specified licensee. But according to this statute... If you, if someone of a diminished mental capacity takes, buys a firearm for you, you are now liable for everything that they do. Right, which, that's my point. You, yeah, you, you have. Now, right. now you're required to, to get uh, right. medical history. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, I mean, this, is, I, like, Mar- my, like Ms. Hammer said. Oh, and there's in, a mandatory three-day waiting period. Instill fear, mm-hmm. right, because people are going to be like, I'm not. It just stops stops the flow of mm-hmm. selling, purchasing, trading, whatever. I mean, it's, and it's, the it's consequences. Try, it, that's the point, the consequences for violation are are criminal, from a first degree misdemeanor to a third degree felony, for violating any provision of of this. Come get me into your home, right? Now, whatever, man. What you, this? But not, here's the not point. happening at my address. Yeah. Well. Here's the point. This is Republican-created, Republican-backed, mm-hmm. who are not only violating the Constitution, they're violating the GOP platform, right? Don't tell me that just because you have an I, a R behind your name, I'm supposed to trust you. Mm-hmm. That's not how this works. So, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Victor says, nowhere in the IRS tax code does it say that a citizen working in the U.S. has to pay a tax on wages. Mm-hmm. That's probably, that's the when people win the argument. It's because yeah. you have a judge that is that will recognize the actual wording of the law and the reasoning behind it, right? Yeah. And the reason in the argument. Why people go to jail is because you have a judicial system that is actually an extension of a statist government that refuses to actually see the law and apply it properly. Yeah, and this gun back to this gun thing is yeah. it's you know, it's essentially Building up to a registry. Fox of, Bear, you're totally right. right. You need a doctor's notes. note for a firearm. Yeah, so it's that's exactly what this legislation, yeah. this Republican-created backed legislation, right. does in Florida. You got to have doctor's permission. Yeah, and I, I can't believe people still function along the party line labels. Right. I mean, over and over again, you see Republicans at the helm of this kind of mm-hmm. stuff, and you know, still this idiotic, mindless loyalty right. to these parties. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just unbelievable. And that's another, that's another way that, um, that they sneak this stuff mm-hmm. through because right. people just give them a pass. I mean, you have people in Florida, all they know is Republicans are in charge. Right. I mean, really up to the point of, we got Ron DeSantis, he's governor. And then that's it. That's all, that's all they right. are concerned about. Now, in Florida, here, here's another thing people don't understand. But Rick Scott was a governor yeah, that was Republican. a Republican that signed the, the red flag laws into legislation, which, by, which by the way, would have never gotten to Rick Scott yeah. if the Republican majority in the House and the Republican majority in the Senate hadn't pushed it on anyway. So the interesting thing to, to see in this next upcoming election cycle 
Mm -hmm. This is how it'll play out because you'll see um, so many Republicans in Florida backing President Trump mm -hmm. in the national election, mm -hmm. but then and then they'll also reelect all these Republicans. Now th these are all the Republicans that enacted the red flag laws. Continue to whittle away mm -hmm. at your right to keep and bear arms. And, and you watch, they'll, I mean, it won't even be a blip for them in the mm -hmm. polls, mm -hmm. right? Unless they get on the wrong side of Marion Hammer, mm -hmm. you know, to the extent that the people are then watching this NRA recommendation and how hard the NRA goes after any of these, which mm -hmm. is highly unlikely because of the way, you know, they negotiate power mm -hmm. in there. But the other thing about Florida politics, and this is probably the case in many states, the leaders of the chamber run the legislature, right? So the Senate president, that he controls the legislation, right? period. So right. Whatever, whatever Bill Galvano wants in his term, whatever he right. says is going to go forward or not. And they, right. and they give... Well, and that's they, the they tyranny, give what they call the, the, the mini tyranny, like merit mini stroke. This yeah. is the mini tyranny that the people don't recognize. Mm -hmm. You don't have equal representation in no. legislation anymore no. because the leaders of these houses and the majority leaders of these houses rule and reign over what actually gets to the floor before it even gets to the floor. Yeah, it's one person. You need to know if you want to know, and it makes this makes it. I mean, it kind of makes it easier to to understand right. what your state government is going to do and what they're doing. Uh, in Florida, for instance, our House um, Speaker of the House mm -hmm. and the Senate President, right. they give what they call the state of the state address or, or their speech or whatever uh, in the terms. And, and they lay out, you know, what they're going to do. When you listen right. to them, they will say, this is what this is what we're going to uh, be pushing, okay? This and is then, what we're going to be pushing this session. And whatever, right. right, and whatever they don't say means it's not not going anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have a particular bill on some topic, if he didn't if he didn't say that in his speech, you can hang it up. Mm -hmm. It's not it's not going to happen. Right. You know, unless you get to that one guy. And so, that's so these state it is right there. So these state legislature legislatures um, are are run by these single individuals. So, you know, find out who your Speaker of the House is, find out who your pre Senate President is, and then you listen to you listen to their speeches. Right. And that's that's how you're going to know what's going on right. in your state uh, legislature. Knowing what's happening in your state legislature, I, I will tell you, is more important than knowing what's going on in the federal, federal legislature. Well, and that's the thing, and like I said. the power uh, that, that you have to control that yeah. is exponentially greater than the power you have to control yep. federal legislation. And that's the thing when you see, you know, you see all the, you know, whole state focused on we got to get this guy reelected in yeah. Washington D.C. Mm -hmm. and then they don't they don't pay a lick of attention. Meanwhile, the legislature of their own state is the one taking their rights away. Right. Exactly. Well, go to chrisannhall.com, read the article, A Lesson on Gun Control, share it everywhere. I have some videos, some short videos on uh, the right to keep and bear arms on the YouTube channel. Share those. And m 
importantly, this is so important, contact your state legislators and your state senators. Make sure they understand what these fundamental rights are. And don't take the double speak. Don't let them, you know, well, you know, we have to save the babies, JC. We have to save the babies. And this is, this is it. You don't save the babies by disarming people. As a matter of fact, it's statistically proven you put them in danger. Yeah. You, you know, in addition to what I said, um, another interesting thing that I discovered, an interesting little insight and kind of approach um, when we worked in the legislature and when we go in and out of the legislature and see how things go on. So go to these um, committee meetings and you observe who are who's there right mm -hmm. who are what they call the stakeholders and you know when people come in the state legislatures they actually fill out they have to fill out mm -hmm. a notice of appearance and mm -hmm. you can you can see and find out and then usually they have to read it into the record and you can find out who is there so you know like for instance we were there the one time about sort of man they, they try to mandatory make everybody get new mm -hmm. uh, get off the septic tanks or get new yeah. septic tanks and put them on city water and that sort of thing which we know why that that goes on but you had audubon society mm -hmm. uh you know and various things it was that was one of the eye-opening things for me when i sat there and then looking around and realizing the other thing that really no no uh florida residents were there right. in the gallery, but all of these organizations, what we call special interest, were all there, and right. that was that's who uh, exactly the NGOs stakeholders are the NGOs, and so all of these special interest NGOs were there, basically driving the narrative and ensuring that these laws are crafted to benefit them. Mm -hmm. So your government, your local governments, uh, particularly at the state level, are controlled by these special interest NGOs, whereas we think, you know, oh, we elected this guy, and this is the problem, you, you elect this guy and turn him loose, and we think he's our representation, so we, we're controlling our state government. No, you're not. You sent that guy there, he gets bought off by these NGOs, mm -hmm. and then they, whoever pays the piper, dictates the tune. Right. And that's how these things are going down. And Let so you need to something. find out who they are. That's how you target, you know, yeah. you, then you get in there, and how you can influence. If, if you don't know who they are, you don't know who's actually driving the ship. Right. How are you going to do anything about it? Uh, Hippie has asked me if I can clarify what Article eight sec Article 1, Section 8 says on regarding commerce and what that means. Let me just tell you, uh, Hippie, I, I, I put that on my list right there, the commerce, right here, the commerce clause. So we will be talking. I, I, I put that on my list. So, you know, keep up with us. We, we will be doing this. I also want to mention to you that uh, my book, Sovereign Duty, will give you some ideas on how to get the state and go local governments under control, uh, not by my, my wisdom, but by the wisdom of those who actually wrote and ratified the Constitution. But as a little piece of wisdom as we sign off today that I would love to give you guys, I have a philosophy when communicating with politicians. If it's worth sending once, it's worth sending once a day for 30 days because the first day you're you're always going to get the sort of thank you for writing us we love your response or we love your communication we appreciate you very much we will take this into consideration 
But if you keep sending it, you're eventually going to get some kind of response. If you do not get a response, then what you need to do is go there. Mm -hmm. You need to go. Every person who, who loves liberty, we'll just classify that, every person who loves liberty needs to schedule regular meetings with their representatives. A lot of times they come back to the district. You can go meet them in the district. You don't need to go to the state capitol. But sometimes you're going to have to go to the state capitol. I'm not saying every month, but you should go more than once a year. They should know who you are because that's the only way you're going to have any influence. Why do lobbyists have control? Not simply because they're handing out money, but because they're always there. Because we're not there. And we're not there. We mm -hmm. don't have to give them money because we have the greatest power, the power to yank them out of office. Here's the, here's the real understanding, right? Your presence in your representative office, they know, realistically, is the representation of at least 20 people. You just showing up, you represent. You're not a member of a group, but they understand the, the, the percentage of people who will take the time to come and get them on it, talk to them on an issue. Mm -hmm. You represent a group of people. So the more people that come up and talk on an issue, yeah. actually bring this, uh, it is a very powerful thing. You don't have to actually have money. Yeah. So... You know, you we have to take time. There are lots of parts to the process, and yes. then there's a way to approach each part. Um, and I'm fully, so. maybe, I, I am fully under the experience and, and understanding that you can outdo the lobbyists by just simply having contact, yeah. especially physical contact, yeah. you know. Again, I mean, not a, like physical contact. Yeah, no, physical. again, there's a way to go about it. There are things, you know, you do, but building influence yep. and being present. Being present goes a long way. Yeah. Even if they don't let you speak, uh, that's why I said bro uh, Brother Hairless, if they don't let you speak at the at the town hall meeting, you show up in their office. Yeah, those town hall meetings are, the, are the, circus. They're, they're, they're that, that, that's theater. That's, that's theater. I don't, theater. I don't, yeah. I don't personally recommend going to town hall. Show up things. in their office. Which is different. And show up there until they talk to you. Yeah, I don't know about other states. So town hall, not the same thing as um, what you were referencing, right. how they visit the district. Right. I don't remember what it's called. They have, vi they have offices in their district yeah. they're supposed to actually be at. But in, in, in Florida, there's a certain, there's a time that they schedule and go and it's not a town hall in the sense of, you know, they're putting on some show and talking about a particular topic, but it's specifically supposed to be for 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 input, right, um, which is a little different. But if it's town hall, like uh, we're going to have a gun town hall, or we're going to have a healthcare town hall, whatever, those are a waste of time because that's, th that's pure theater. Right. And they control what's said and how it's said, and, you know, and you end up being put in a position where you actually have to be disruptive to even say something. Well, but now which that's against is, the law now because yeah. of the Federal Buildings and Grounds Improvement right. Act. If you show yeah. up at a town hall meeting and you disrupt the town hall yeah. meeting, that's now a federal offense punishable by anywhere from five to ten years in prison. Thank you, Tom Hall, for yeah. your sticker. Um, I just I, I want to before we go, I, I want to mention this as well. Autumn Springs says maybe you guys can also train other people to be constitutional educators too. Autumn, that's why we have LibertyFirstUniversity.com. Yeah. Liberty First University teaches what I teach at a at your own pace. You can literally become an expert on the areas that we 
teach. Mm -hmm. And I don't mind if you go out and teach, yep. right? Go out and teach this stuff. That's why it's online. That's why I want people to learn at libertyfirstuniversity.com. We'll, we'll go ahead and put this up there so you guys can see that. That's why we have that, to train up people so they can go, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and because I, I we put that actually, JC, we had the conversation. We put that up there so we wouldn't have to be everywhere all the time. Yeah. This is the extension of us. Yeah. So thank you so much, guys, for joining us today. We had a great time. Uh, now everybody go over and watch Frank. <laughs> and uh, we will remember Thursday. I, I won't be here on Thursday. Uh, so uh, we won't see you again until Friday, unless I can talk JC into doing the show without me. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll see. Charlie, we'll my see. people came from Owensboro, Kentucky, so and 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 California. Salute well, and they Bakersfield. Went, they went from Owensboro to, to Bakersfield, California. Bakersfield, so. California. Salute to you, brother. God bless you guys. See you next time. <laughs>